Time for our second hour roundtable on America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. More talking truth about America. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I have my review roundtable with me today. Love having them both here, of course, Penn and Dexter and Wade Miller. And we always start off our second hour with my review roundtable question. And I'm changing subjects entirely. You'd be happy to know. So all of us watched, I think, a little bit of shock this past week when the the United Kingdom had their elections. In fact, Theresa May had called these elections early when she was riding a popular wave and she was trying to increase her majority in the House of Commons with the idea that she had more support for her exit, her Brexit negotiations. And the elections happened, and it uh, didn't go as planned. Uh, she discovered, actually, I had the number somewhere, but, you know, they lost seats. Her party still has the plurality, but not the majority any longer. And Jeremy Corbyn, who is the labor leader, who is pretty much a Marxist, who ran on the notion of blaming the United Kingdom's foreign policy— for the terrorist attacks in England. They've had a spate of horrific attacks in England over the last three months. People killed, uh, seriously injured, the, the reign of terror in the city of London and, and Manchester. And yet Jeremy Corbyn was able to essentially really have an upset result. So, you know, there are a lot of factors there. You know, you had the terror, you had whatever statements they both made, who gets blamed for the terror, who's not doing enough. But this outcome of having Jeremy Corbyn's Labor Party pick up seats and Theresa May's conservatives, what's it called, Tories Party, lose seats. I What I really want to ask you is, what do you think that bodes for America's 2018 uh, midterm elections? I mean, do you think there's any, any parallel to be drawn, any message for the Republicans or not? Yes, I think it directly correlates to what we talked about in the last segment. And that is, um, you know, you had um, Theresa May, who, you know, she's the head of the Tory party, the conservatives. Um, this is Margaret Thatcher, you know, esque in a sense. Yes. She could be, but she's not. She's proposed things that are more centrist or to the left. Tax increases, for instance. Um, she was ahead when people thought she was more conservative as she began to prove her mettle. And also, I think she was blamed fairly or unfairly. For the terrorist attacks that happened. I, I don't think that helped her. Some people say it didn't matter. Uh, she wanted to put a cap on household energy prices. That's not a free market position. Um, and she's railed against business many times. So she's not, uh, you know, we always say that a conservative in, in Britain is not what a conservative is in the United States of America. But she's even worse. I think she's disappointed people. So she's proven herself a bit weak. And um, to the other side of this, um, we've seen this movement in the United States where young people, millennials, are um, they're anti-capitalists. They don't understand that they wouldn't have the life they had if they really didn't have capitalism in this country. But that's been the rhetoric, and uh, they lo- they you know loved Bernie Sanders, for instance. That was the support behind him, and that's the same thing with Jeremy Corbyn. So I think the um, yes, there's a risk in the United States, but I think as we begin to articulate our views on the issues and as our two houses of Congress begin to stri- try to pass things, if they stick to what they promised, what they were elected on, as far as things like the economy or Obamacare, then I don't think we'll have happen what happened there. But there is a big risk. Wade? Well, I think that uh, she's right. May is not really like a conservative as I would uh, conceive of conservative. And I think if you look at Brexit, 
that was about an issue. And I think it was an issue that had a lot of uh, valence emotion behind it. Uh, people rallied behind it. This uh, referendum election, they didn't really make it about an issue. We're in the midst of, I think, a global uh, progressive resurgence and, and that the news media is all about, uh, uh, you know, the rise of you know fascism. That's the theme that the progressive left is using. And they're trying to uh, make it sound that Trump is, you know, is that. And it's really good at rallying them and getting them all uh, bent out of shape and, and out there, although they're acting like fascists when they're out there marching anyways. <laughs> Against uh, fascism, yeah, yeah. Which is hypocritical, of course. They call themselves anti-fascist, but they're acting like fascists in a, in, to a large degree. So I think that there is some parallel. I think that this does bode for kind of the general sentiment that we need to be on the lookout for. And I think that the message here that she kind of uh, that uh, was Penna Penna, Penna kind of addressed here was that if we want to win in the next election, we need to make it about issues and run on those issues and create a narrative. Otherwise, if we just kind of, you know, or we're lukewarm, we allow the left and the media to beat us up. And we need to pick issues we can win on. We need to fight on uh, against cronyism and corporate welfare. We need to fight for uh, American taxpayers and create and for jobs and getting job stifle, uh, stifling regulations out of the way. These are just not things that are being pushed. Security, uh, the the threat of radical Islam, you know, these, these are not things that Theresa May pushed. And, and just think of this, and I'll wrap it up here. Jeremy Corbyn actually tweeted out a couple of years ago thanking Hugo Chavez for what a great humanitarian he is and what a great person and how he's helped the poor. People are dying and, and, and rioting and starving in Venezuela right now because of Hugo Chavez. That's the kind of person that England almost elected. This is Debbie George Asma, Right View Roundtable. Well, I'm going to say my answer when we come back from the break. <laughs> ben and Dexter, Wade Miller here. Don't go away. Lots to talk about. Can you hear us now? Can you hear us now? The soul of freedom. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. 
program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. The National Center for Policy Analysis brings together the best and brightest minds to tackle the country's most difficult public policy problems in health care, taxes, retirement, education, energy, and now national security. The NCPA works to develop and promote private, free market alternatives to government regulation and control, solving problems by relying on the strength of competition and the private sector. As America's think tank, the NCPA wants to make sure you have access to simple, clear solutions to the issues that matter to you. Come get to know the NCPA at one of their events and join the conversation by following them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. To get policy solutions delivered straight to your inbox, sign up for the NCPA free email newsletter or subscribe to one of their policy blogs. To get involved with America's Think Tank, go online today to ncpa.org. The NCPA would love your support and you'll love being part of the solutions to America's challenges. So go to ncpa.org. That's ncpa.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I just love these two hours every Sunday, the fastest two hours of my week and the most fun, too. Actually, I have fun other times, too, but I love doing the show. And I love having the roundtable here. And before the break, we were talking about, you know, the, what the message, if any, is for the Republicans and the Democrats here in America as you look, watch what happened in uh, the British elections. And actually, I'm glad Penna brought up, uh, Penna Dexter's here tonight, one of our roundtable people brought up that, you know, there is polling that we were all sharing. We kind of share some links before we come on air that really show the, the vast percentage of young people in England voted f- liberally, either voted for the labor person or even farther left. And the same happened in, in, in um, France. In fact, in France, the young people, they didn't even vote for the guy who won, who's fairly moderate. They voted for the guy who's more or less a communist. I mean, so we have that element. But what I do think is that to me, the biggest lesson to the American, to the Republican Party in Washington from the British election is that obviously every peace-loving person in England is sick of terror. 
They're sick of being afraid of it. They're sick of putting up with it. They do not like the message from uh, Jeremy Corbyn had a similar message as the French, the guy who won in France, Macron, something along the lines of, well, you know, not that we have to put up with it forever, but kind of this is kind of part and parcel of being alive today, just kind of an acceptance of it. People don't want that. But having said that, they look at what Theresa May, prior to her being prime minister, she held some position like defense of the home. I don't know what it was called in their their parliament. Home secretary. Sorry? Home secretary. Home secretary. So they've had terror growing in England. And every time they had these last three months, horrible attacks, they end up having the little wreath laying and they, they put flowers and candles and a candlelight vigil. It's all very lovely. And of course, they're just, you know, their hearts are breaking for the people killed and injured in these attacks. But they want someone to stop it. And Theresa May didn't get tough enough. She didn't stop it. She hardly, she even backed off from her firmer rhetoric. She backed off into weakness. And so if people say, I'm sitting home and I'm seeing, you know, Corbyn's crazy. I mean, he's blaming England for terrorists because we actually go fight ISIS in some other country. But then again, Theresa May is not doing anything. It's these voters who will just stay home and sit in their hands. So Back to our situation, people in America who turned out in by the millions and brought Donald Trump in the presidency, they feel like we're sick of watching this terror over in England and, and in Western Europe and in the Middle East. We've had a few attacks here, horrible attacks here. We want it stopped. One of the main reasons people got behind Donald Trump was he talked tough about terrorism. He talked about securing the border. He talked about having firm refugee policy that would protect Americans. He talked about immigration. And the Republicans are stalling that agenda. The Republicans are not helping. Democrats are never going to help, so forget them. But the Republicans aren't helping him. So I don't. in 2018, I could imagine people just saying, I can't see my agenda getting done. I don't see what Trump wanted getting done. Why does it help to turn out and send more Republicans back to Washington if they won't get on board with the agenda? And if they sit on their hands and the American left is so stirred up as they are in hysterical anti-fascism mode— you could end up with a really big problem where, for starters, the Democrats could take back the Senate. I mean, it's hard. They've got 20 or 22 people up. Was it 20? You know, something like that. 22 Democrat senators. Republicans only have eight. And so the numbers are in our favor. But still, you know, the, the people want to hear, and the other, to both Penn and Wade's points, people want to hear that when you work hard and you get a government in, you want them to actually do things. It's not just terror, although that was a huge thing in the in British and it's a huge thing in our election. They want actual work and progress on cutting taxes. They want a bustling economy. They want to see Republicans who are already hand-wringing about can't really figure out where we could possibly make any cuts here in spending. I mean, it's like the conservative message just gelled around Trump and we're, and we're watching Washington twiddle their thumbs. Okay, they're both just looking at me. I thought you would... <laughs> Okay, yeah, if you want us to weigh in, we will. And, you know, I I actually have a question for Wade because uh, I think that, you know, one of the first duties of government is to, uh, is national security and keeping people safe. I mean, really, the Constitution doesn't say anything about uh, Obamacare, socialized medicine, um, climate change. Safe spaces. Yeah, safe spaces (laughs) and those types of things. And so when it's not getting done, and people began to fear for their lives. I don't know that in America we're so much there, although I think there are a lot of forward-looking people that elected Trump because they can see down the road. But I think in, in Europe they are there. 
they they are actually in danger when they go out to you know for a nice evening out they're in danger so um but they're not voting well in a sense they are they have no one to vote for and that's the difference i think here in america we still have the opportunity to take actions that will give people confidence we have probably the only opportunity we will ever have in our lifetime it's probably right now in about the next two or three months. Right. Well, because we have the Republicans have the majority in the House, the Senate, and the White House. Is that why? You, why? That's why I'm saying that. Yeah. And I'm saying, okay, you know, the Congress, are they doing the best they can? No. I think, though, those people listening to this program right now, I mean, each one of us has an obligation because we have elected officials that we can speak with, that we can influence. We have friends. And, I mean, if we're ever going to do that, it's now. I agree. If we don't lead to get out in front and accomplish this agenda, people will say that we busted our butts for eight years. Uh, You didn't deliver. There's no point. And they'll throw their hands up. They'll start having meetings about starting other parties. Uh, They'll start uh, not voting for Republicans more so than they already are. And that's where we're in trouble, because right now the left has a, a single target and they're all energized behind it. And that is Donald Trump. And that there's I mean, they're they're situating themselves for a wave election uh, because we are allowing them to dictate the battlefield. And that battlefield is Donald Trump instead of issues. We're not making the battlefield about, uh, uh, you know, socialism, the, uh, the slavery of socialism. We're not picking our debates and forcing the left to debate on those terms. We're allowing them to create a narrative uh, that will not help us. And what I don't see in Washington is a conservative elected to the Senator House with a possible exception of Ted Cruz and maybe Mike Lee and sometimes Rand Paul, but I don't see the conservative leader emerging able to articulate what you're just saying, because I think that Donald Trump, you know, he is a president and he intuitively knows a lot of good things about America, but he's not, he's not out there the, and, and maybe he can re- retake the, the dialogue because right now the narrative is being totally run by the Democrat media mob. I mean, that that's who runs the, the entire narrative in our country and so we need, I mean, we do need the activism you're, you're talking about, but we need the, uh, the leaders in Washington. We need Trump. We need Cruz. Every single one of them saying, this is what we got to be talking about, folks. Stop talking about Comey and Russia. We're done with that. We're going to talk about fixing the economy, getting jobs back to, to, to you know, main t- hometown America, um, having a secure border. We're going to talk about refugee policy that makes sense for us. I mean, I just, and, and we can sit here and say this, and I've had political meetings I go to and all sorts of, yeah, I go speak at different events and like everyone on the ground seems to get this. So what's the problem in Washington? How do we have Republicans who can't figure out how to repeal Obamacare? Well, they're, they're all, this is a problem with all of them. They're in a bubble. Uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump is in a bubble. Ted Cruz is in a bubble to a certain extent. Uh, Mike Lee's in a bubble. Uh, and the rest of them have lobbyists and consultants and people are coming and telling them, well, if we do this, we might lose three seats in New York. And and they lose sight of where the battle is, which is upholding their campaign promises and passing reforms that will actually help the American people. And, and that's the big disconnect. It's, you know, I don't agree with everything that Trump wants to do. I agree with a lot of it. And I think that Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, and, and uh, Donald Trump and Rand Paul and some others need to come uh, together and say, where do we agree? We agree on tax reform. We agree on repealing Obamacare. We need to put our weight behind those issues, those issues and we need to start pushing uh, Paul Ryan— Mitch McConnell and others, John Cornyn, and say, stop sitting on your hands on the on the legislative calendar, because that's what's happening right now. 
our leadership in the Republican Party is sitting on their hands. And when they do that, they allow the left to dictate the narrative because the debate is not about policy. It's about whatever the media and the left want it to be about. And so, you know, yes, I'm upset about the fake news issues that are unfairly in some instances attacking Donald Trump. Uh, but a lot of that is because Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell are allowing that to happen by not moving on anything major uh, most of the time. Couldn't agree more. I couldn't. And I love that point you're making is that, you know, we are never going to convince the media or the left to stop talking about Trump, Comey, blah, blah, blah. And that's Russia. That's never going to end. But if Trump could get a headline, if he got news out there, say, hey, we got Obamacare appeal moving along in the Senate. We actually have a tax bill that's going to make it easier for businesses in America to hire people. We're actually going to change it. We're going to talk a little bit about one bill that's moving a little tiny bit, and that's good. But these are the kind of things you could seize the agenda from the left. You're not going to convince them convince them no matter what you say to drop this because right now they own the narrative in this country they are winning the the media battle and republicans are sitting back somehow acting like we can't figure out how to how to get anything moving forward to the detriment of our future this is debbie georgiatis wade miller penn and dexter don't go away Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high, to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. Hi, this is Debbie George Addis. On my radio show, we have the theme music by Krista Branch that has the refrain, I am America. I chose it because it summarizes what I think is a really important truth about America. 
We the people are America. We the people are blessed with extraordinary power in our country, and we have to use that power to keep America strong and free for everyone. And how do we do that? We have the responsibility to understand the issues facing our country, to get beyond soundbite and slogan politics. We have the responsibility when politicians propose solutions to understand, will those solutions preserve American-style freedom or slowly, incrementally destroy it? We have to vote once we are informed about the issues. But even more so, we have to speak up to our friends, our family members, to speak up in our daily life about the reality that we each have a responsibility and privilege to defend American-style freedom. This is Debbie Georgiatis on America Can We Talk. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. Can you hear us now? And welcome back. I'm so glad you tuned in tonight to America Can We Talk? And I have my Right View Roundtable pals with me tonight. I have Penn and Dexter, Wade Miller, and we were talking in the break. We always have more stories than time. It's a story of my life because two hours a week is not enough to save America, which is what I'm trying to do. So I have to pick and choose my stories. But I want to share this story that is uh, changing the topic again. But um, Penna and I actually talked about a little bit on Point of View on Friday with this other radio show we both love doing. And um, I was just let Penna take away and tell the story because I don't think it's gotten that much media attention yet. I think you have to be kind of into conservative sources to even follow this story. You know, a lot of us uh, have as one of our top issues, top of mind, really, the protection of religious liberty in this country. And something happened this week that was just appalling, really, on the floor. Of, well, it was actually in a Senate committee. And um, Senator Bernie Sanders uh, just said some things during this hearing that were just amazing. What it was was the confirmation hearings for uh, Russell Vote. Uh, and he is uh, President uh, Trump's nominee for the deputy director, I think it is, of the Office of Management and Budget. Number two position there. You'd think that, you know, most of those hearings would be about um, financial prowess and the economy and things like that. But uh, Senator Sanders brings up the um, something that, that this nominee wrote. Uh, it was totally unrelated. But um, the nominee, Russell Vogt, happens to be a Christian, and he went to a Christian college, Wheaton College. Many of uh, your listeners, I'm sure, know about the school, maybe even went there. They had a controversy last year. Uh, one of their professors, a political science professor, decided that she was going to, during Advent, wear a hijab and then post on Facebook that she was doing this in solidarity with Muslims. And that um, because they're all just like me, I'm a Christian, they're people of the book, we believe in the same God. Well, Wheaton couldn't let that go. And uh, they certainly you know, spoke about it. And she ended up losing her job there at Wheaton. And so Russell Vogt uh, 
Russ Vogt wrote about this at Eric Erickson's website, Resurgent, and he gave a very clear apologetic about Christianity and the exclusivity of it. Bernie Sanders got a hold of it, and he said that this basically made Russ Vogt um, not qualified, not fit to serve in public office because he believed this way. He called it Islamophobia and, uh, you know, made actually didn't try to ask questions of Russ Vogt but never let him answer the questions. If you really saw the way he was defending his faith, it was just a clear defense of Christianity, orthodox Christianity that people have believed since the time of Christ. So, um, you know, this was just interesting. And then another senator chimed in, uh, Chris Van Hollen of Maryland, and and also basically made the point that he wasn't fit to be um, in public office. They both voted against him. I, I think this vote has yet to come out to the floor of the Senate, and uh, I don't know, I, you, maybe you could Wade fill Miller. me in on Actually, the, on Wade, the, Wade knows this yeah, you know him from Heritage. But, I mean, to me, I just, you know, to even have the Senate allow or be polite <laughs> while <laughs> Senator Sanders said these things is, to me, appalling. Some, some of the senators need to kind of take issue with this and read the constitution so yeah. the actual confirmation vote itself has not occurred yet uh and then full disclosure russ vote was my boss until he went to the office of management and budget for, in the position okay. he's now being nominated for he's a great man he's a mentor uh he's a friend and what he did is he he went in front of the budget committee and this article came up and he expressed that he was uh expressing a viewpoint on the religious liberty of Wheaton College to have hiring practice, which hiring practices which uphold their uh, deeply held religious faith, and that is their as a private organization, uh, private religious organization, that's their right. They can do that. And Russ Vote was, I think, expressing and defending the religious liberty right of the institution to do that. And then he also expressed some personal theological views on Christian salvation. And because of that, what Bernie Sanders effectively said is that because you hold a view that hundreds of millions of people around the planet hold in in the Christian religion, uh, because you hold that, you are an Islamophobe and you're a racist. Now, the racist thing is just ridiculous because uh, Christianity and Islam has nothing to do with race. They're open to all races. Uh, So that was just a buzzword that he was throwing out there to try to uh, make a big issue out of it. Uh, but the second part of it was if you, is his suggestion was if you have a view on the afterlife that is Christian, that you are therefore discriminating against Islam is just completely ridiculous. And then for Bernie Sanders to to say that because of your view on the afterlife, I cannot vote for you uh, because I don't think that that's right. That's actually him instituting a religious test, which I believe is a violation of Article Six of the Constitution. If Bernie Sanders votes against him, I actually think that Russ vote, and I'm not, uh, you know, I don't work at the ACLJ, but I actually think that Russ vote would have a civil rights complaint. And I actually think that the Senate should vote to censure Bernie Sanders. And I think that they should even expel him. I think it, it rises to that level, this type of discrimination and bigotry. But to even parse it out further, the logic that Bernie Sanders uses means that if you have a, a view on salvation, which might exclude any other religion, and this is billions of people on the planet and hundred uh, and probably hundred plus million people in the United States, if not way more than that, then you would not be uh, 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 you would not be qualified to work in the United States government. This would apply to Muslims who don't think Christians will get into heaven, Christians who don't think Muslims will get into heaven, 
atheists who don't think anyone gets into heaven because that's a viewpoint <laughs> on salvation. Uh, so effectively, this is a broad-ranging logic that Bernie Sanders is using to be a bigot and discriminate against vast swaths of the American people. It's one of the most atrocious things I've ever seen in a live hearing, and I think it deserves a, a huge reprimand from the, the, the Senate body. I couldn't agree more. The constitutional provision that Wade alluded to, just it actually does say in Article 6, Section 3 of the United States Constitution, no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under, under the United States. Very clear, absolute in the Constitution. But back to what Bernie Sanders was saying, the reason, and, and I'm so glad we're talking about this, because I think it goes in part to how the left views religion. I mean, what, what Russ Vogt was simply saying is that in his Christian faith, he believes that what the, he understands the Bible to mean, you know, uh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This is the method to, method to salvation. And if you believe that, as a Christian, then you don't agree with other with atheists or other people who have different views. And everyone's entitled to their view. Everyone is. Russ Vogt did not write this in a, you know, pu- public policy outcome where he was saying, and because you don't accept my view of salvation, you aren't entitled to a benefit or you don't have the protection of our laws. He's speaking of in his private view, and, and I'm so glad that Wade raised those points, but other faiths. I mean, we have a um, dear friends who are Jewish who were telling um, me about Nathan. Um, written in the book and basically their notion that you know that Judaism is the is the means to salvation very offended by people who leave Judaism and become uh, Christians um, don't like that at all so they've got a view and they're entitled to it and I love these people and their friends and this notion in America that people are entitled to actually believe their religion. Because I think on the left, it's become kind of a window-dressing attitude, a, well, yeah, you know, this church, that church, whatever, it's all the same. In fact, that was one of the comments the other senator who weighed in on this in an equally obnoxious manner. He made this statement, I'm a Christian. This is Senator Christopher Van Hollen from Maryland. I'm I'm sure he's a Democrat. Um, I'm a Christian, but part of being a Christian, in my view, is recognizing that there are lots of ways that people can pursue their God. It's your comments that suggest a violation of the public trust. I, wow. I mean, yeah, so he's, yeah, we have, we have, yeah, almost two minutes. Go ahead. The but, notion that you can say, okay, and many Christians can say that, you know, hey, you know, I like my Lutheran church, but I don't really care where you go. If, if he's at that attitude, fine. But to not recognize to some people there is such a thing as truth, and, and this is what Russ Vogt believes. Yeah, and, and Chris Van Hollen, Senator Chris Van Hollen's point uh, is that he has a different kind of universalist opinion on salvation, perhaps, which, by the way, is fine. We can disagree on a theological basis, but that should have nothing to do with whether you're qualified for government. And, and you know, what they could have done is if there was a—you know, they could have said, look, you have this opinion about uh, Muslims and salvation. You know, is that going to affect your ability to uphold the law and make sure that their civil that Muslim civil rights are upheld? Uh, you know, they didn't ask Russ that. They just labeled him as a bigot. Had they asked Russ that, Russ would have said, I believe in the Constitution and natural rights and that everyone in this country. In fact, he had to kind of force that in there. He, in fact, said that everyone is is uh, uh, deserving of inherent dignity and that we're all made in the image of God, including non-Christians. Uh, that unfortunately, they just didn't go there. They just went straight to the you're a racist Islamophobe and then violated Russ's civil rights by by suggesting they won't vote for him.
I love all that. And I do think this, it goes back to something we've talked about so many times in the show, which is the American left in, in many phases of its activity is really become very profoundly anti-Christian. It is a notion we cannot tolerate the depth of your belief, the sincerity of your belief. It's, it's just, it's frustrating and infuriating, unlike their willingness to stand up for people who want to embrace Sharia or something else. Some other religions, okay. Not in this context, but generally speaking, but Christianity makes liberals crazy. And on that note, coming back from the break, we can take over after the break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. Our nation faces a choice. The path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility. Whether informing the national debate on property rights energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. Hi, this is Debbie George Addis. On my radio show, we have the theme music by Krista Branch that has the refrain, I am America. I chose it because it summarizes what I think is a really important truth about America. We the people are America. We the people are blessed with extraordinary power in our country, and we have to use that power to keep America strong and free for everyone. And how do we do that? We have the responsibility to understand the issues facing our country to get beyond soundbite and slogan politics. We have the responsibility when politicians propose solutions to understand, will those solutions preserve American-style freedom or slowly, incrementally destroy it? 
We have to vote once we are informed about the issues. But even more so, we have to speak up to our friends, our family members, to speak up in our daily life about the reality that we each have a responsibility and privilege to defend American-style freedom. This is Debbie Georgiatis on America Can We Talk. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. As I said at the start of the last segment, this is the fastest two hours of my week. It just kills me. We're almost uh, down with time tonight. And, but I do have actually a great topic I want to turn to. But before I do that, before the break, we were talking about this amazing thing that occurred in the United States Senate, which related to a confirmation hearing for someone. Actually, I know Russ Vote too. And it's the funny thing about Russ Vote, I'll tell you, because I'm sitting here with Wade Miller. So right when Heritage Action got started, Russ Vote and... Uh, I forget his sister's name, the... Jessica Anderson. Jessica Anderson came to Texas, came to Dallas, kind of getting started the Heritage Action, talking about, like, who are the activists? I don't know how they – oh, because I were members of Heritage. Anyway, talking about, you know, how do you find the activists? Who are they? And I was telling them all the activists I know, and they said, we hired this great guy, which was you. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> it was flies. awesome. Okay. But, you know, I will I, – we were talking the break, and I want to just say it because it's, it's almost impossible to overstate how out of line uh, Senator Sanders was in this hearing. And that was – we were talking about what if the applicant for some job requiring Senate confirmation were a Muslim and who had at any point said, you know, Islam is the only true religion. Uh, we're the only ones going to heaven. And, and, and a Republican questioned that person on that. I mean, the, the dynamics would be would be exactly the opposite. Right. And do you think that Bernie Sanders or Chris Van Hollen, even though that applicant would have been indicating that Russ vote uh, themselves all of us in this room, most of the people on uh, listening tonight would not be getting, going into heaven. Would they have applied the same uh, buzzwords of racism and discrimination against a Muslim applicant seeking to work uh, up for a position in the Office of Management and Budget? Of course they wouldn't. Bernie Sanders wouldn't have said a, a darn word. This was their opportunity to advance their anti-Christian uh, bigotry. Couldn't agree more. And I will say in the last eight years under President Obama, I mean, not that it began there, but I think it was really embellished. There was just a legitimizing and normalizing of the idea that Christianity is offensive. As it's offensive in its conduct in public policy in America. It's offensive. They push their views on, on being pro-life and what marriage is. That was legitimized and normalized under President Obama and his administration, in my opinion, making someone like Bernie Sanders, who might not have said that 20 years ago, feel like that was okay to say. 
It was okay to get after somebody who expressed belief in what many Christians embrace as the as the um, teaching of the Bible, as in what salvation is and what what is required and stuff for salvation. Yeah, I just wanted to add uh, there was a Supreme Court case. Uh, this is with regard to Wheaton's right to treat this employee to uh, require doctrinal purity uh, for one of their employees. And uh, this case was a Hosanna Tabor case, and I won't go into what it was about, but it basically uh, the government ended up uh, arguing in the case that that the government actually has a right to control the hiring and firing of a Christian school. But the Supreme Court struck that argument down and struck the uh, and actually ruled nine to zero in favor of the school's right to hire and fire uh, teachers based on their faith. And so, you know, the courts and the law and the Constitution are on our side, but we don't have a government necessarily anymore that lines up with the protection of, of religious liberty and those rights. I love Penn and Dexter. I'm so glad you mentioned that case. And I'm so glad for that kind of affirmation that really is not a it's not a close question. I mean, nine zero was the right outcome in that. Yeah, case. Yeah, I mean, but- you had Elena Kagan making making strong statements on behalf of the the right of the school. Yeah, and the notion of of freedom of religion in this country, if if you can't run a Christian school or or any school of any faith and decide, I want everyone who's instructing these children to be on the same page as as we are, the the faith, the the, church that's running the school, you can't really pass along your religion. You're saying the government's going to decide, no, her views aren't that offensive. You shouldn't have fired her. Anyway, so I, I, I think this is going to be an interesting thing to watch what happens with, with Russ Vote, a stellar human being. Okay, so we just have like uh, the last little segment left, but it's just such an important thing I want to hit on tonight. We had Kimberly Strassel on one or two weeks ago, and she was making the point that, you know, Trump, with all this mess that has been going on, the, the left owning the agenda, he needs to try really hard to shift the topic reclaim the narrative, reclaim the role the Republicans have, and be in charge in Washington, including starting to push some of the agenda through, and he needs he needs the members of the House and Senate in doing it. So a, a good, uh, great author, in fact, again, all the links we talked about tonight are already posted at americacanwetalk.org, and I will be posting them on the Facebook page also, but there was a great article by Daniel Horowitz, who wrote about, he's, he wrote, for, and he's been on the show too, he's a great guy, good friend of Wade's, Forget Comey, nine substantive issues Trump must act on. He's just talking about a lot of things Trump could do, just claim. And one was, I don't know if you even saw, he said this. He said, cancel the August recess. Does Trump have the authority to do that, by the way? Yeah, he can. Yes, uh, he could uh, recall uh, uh, Congress back into session. Honestly, I kind of like the idea. I like it just take charge again already. You've been walked all over by. Frankly, Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, I meant to say something earlier. I've been defending Trump tonight, and I think he got a really raw deal in this Russian hoax. I'm happy to criticize him when I don't agree with him, and I have. I think he made a huge mistake on Obamacare repeal in putting it in the hands of Paul Ryan. He did not realize. He just didn't know. He just didn't know what all the dynamics were. He put it in the hands of someone who was never going to do his agenda. But one was, I would love if he called Congress back and said, you know what, you're not doing your job, so come on back. Washington's lovely in August. I mean, because <laughs> it's horrible. But, I mean, I would love that one. Um, he also talked about the filibuster fix. And, and Wade is an expert in all this stuff. But the Senate, in fact, some Republican leaders in the Senate have been saying, well, you know, I know we said first we need the majority in the House, then we said the Senate, then we need the and we have all that. But we still really can't do anything because they could filibuster us. So the answer on the filibuster is... 
Well, I think that Horowitz would argue that we need to uh, remove it in ter- for legislative uh, purposes in order to push things through with 51 votes. I'm still a little resistant on that. I think that uh, that will come back to bite us more often than it will help us simply because conservatives are not the majority. We may need to protect ourselves from things that Mitch McConnell wants to do uh, that he shouldn't be doing. Uh, but I think the answer to that is on appropriations bills, we still have the two-speech rule, which is a way around the filibuster anyways. It just takes longer, and I won't go into details. But is the two-speech rule, you can yeah. use that. The two-speech rule is basically that each elected member only can make two speeches on any one subject. Yes, and if you play your cards right procedurally and, and, and block all these motions and it will take time, you'll exhaust those, and then it reverts back to 51 votes. It's, a, I think, a safer way of addressing the problem that we have right now with not having 60 votes in the Senate on non-reconciliation issues. I want to stop giving the Senate the excuse, well, we don't have 60. I mean, they just, to me, I will just say, folks, and I, I you know, I, I, I voted Republican. You know, I, I, I stand, I agree with the platform of the Republican Party, but I'm very, very disheartened by many Republicans who I think the truth of the matter is they don't want to do the hard things. They don't want to do the things that might get someone to yell at them when they go back to a town hall. They don't want to do the repeal of Obamacare because some segment of their district might be upset with them they don't want to do the hard things and i'm and they have no idea how infuriated their base is becoming with them okay here's another one that he said fisher cut bait on obamacare do you think we should just surrender on obamacare say we can't repeal it, leave it alone what do you think no we should not do that right now ted cruz and a few other senators are you know and they're senators that are like in the middle and on the right talking about what they can do with this house bill and how they can do it they need to seriously try to come to an agreement on something. I mean, it won't be perfect for any of our hearts as we look at it, but they need to do a lot. They need to bring it back toward the free market as much as possible and try to make, have instruments and ways in it that it can be further worked on down the road to bring it back to a free market. So do the best you can right now with it. You agree? Well, right now the word on the street is that it's, the bill is actually getting worse in the Senate. Yep. Great. And I think that the problem here is that if it gets substantially worse, we could be in a situation where the outcome will be worse for us and we'll own the problem at that point. So if they can get it to a certain – I know we're not going to get what we want, which is full repeal. Uh, I'm willing to accept certain compromises as long as we're moving the ball forward, as long as prices are going down, as long as we get rid of a lot of the regulations, and then we can take further steps from there. If it slides back too much farther, I think that we're in – I think there's more danger in passing it, and that's the issue I think that Ted Cruz and Mike Lee and Rand Paul are trying to avoid getting into. I think that they're fighting on our behalf to prevent that. I couldn't agree more. Here's another idea of uh, things Trump could try to do, and that was get on the same page with the debt ceiling and the budget. I have to tell you, this is one area where – I mean, I know I I know it's hard to sit back and you know in private world here we're not in the, in the uh, you know heat of the criticism of the media and all the other things that people who are elected to House and Senate suffer. Having said that, Republicans have argued that we're the conservatives. We want to cut spending. We want to reduce. We have criticized President Obama for the for the massive uh, increased debt during his presidency. And we, we now have, we, we got the CR, what is it, through the end of September? End of September. And so we are in a place we should be talking about. Where can we cut? And I just was reading something by elected Republican senators talking about, well, we just can't see any place we can cut. I mean, I, I feel like we're, we're just, I, I mean, this would be a place Trump could show some leadership. The bad news is, is that Trump signed that CR, which really didn't do anything and kick things down the road. Uh, the good news is he really didn't want to sign it. It actually took a phone call from John Boehner 
to convince Trump to go ahead and sign that. Uh, so John Maynard came out Trump. of John Maynard came out of retirement essentially and 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 helped talk Trump into signing it. Trump didn't really want to. And the good news is going into September, he is seem he seems willing to fight, and he seems willing to fight even if it means a shutdown. If we can get that sentiment and and get Cruz and Lee and Paul and and Cotton and some of those other guys behind it as well, we may have the leverage to push for something major. If if Trump doesn't push this September then it's going to be really difficult to get anything major done. And I don't know what happens in the elections next year if we fail to get tax reform, fail to get significant, uh, significant repeal of Obamacare, fail to get major tax reforms. But I think we're moving in the right direction. And and I have some good news, and that is is that uh, Heritage is, is going to be working very closely, I think, with Trump on a lot of things that we can do on the debt ceiling and on the omnibus bill to get the economy going again. I don't have the details on that yet, but as soon as I do, I'll let you know. I'm thrilled to hear that. And, and we've talked about in the show, in fact, we advertise Heritage on this show, the Heritage Foundation. You know, they were central way back in the days of Ronald Reagan when they came up with their mandate for leadership, I think it was called. It was one of the first pieces that Heritage put out, um, just kind of trying to help, you know, after a crazy uh, liberal big government under Jimmy Carter and Reagan came along, the American people came along behind him and said, yeah, get with us. And Heritage was able to help. And folks, this is what happens every week. We have more topics and no time left. First, I want to thank our guest so very much, Dr. Kelly Ward, fabulous candidate. Look her up. You'll love her. I thank Penn and Dexter, Wade Miller. Thank Greg Lindemoo, their board operator, who's fabulous. And I tell you, tune in every week to America Can We Talk? We talk truth about America. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to americacanwetalk.org. America Can We Talk, truth about America. America.